Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of RTA Radio, the podcast focused on self-care, self-sustainability, and self-liberation. I am your host, Silas Soul, and as you can see, as this week, I am not joined by the lovely and talented Miss Jackie Kerouac, but uh, we have another special episode here for you, a, uh, with a special guest, uh, Taz Riot is joining me from somewhere in the southern, unfortunately, it's somewhere in the southern California region <laughs> of the uh, USSA. And, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna talk some seasteading, um, maybe get into some other things, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're Jackie introduced the two of us yesterday. And as I've promised you guys, we're, I'm trying to do more interviews. So this opportunity popped up, let's take it and roll with it. Um, I don't know. I think this is a special episode number five, but we'll, we'll figure that out later. Uh, as always, before we get started fully, uh, this podcast is covered by the BIPCOT no government license. This allows for use and reuse by anyone except governments and the agents thereof. You can find out more information about this at bipcot.org. So, like I said, we have uh, we have Taz Wright joining us. Taz, how you doing, man? Thanks for uh, joining us tonight. Doing pretty good. How are All you? All right. Um, you know, doing doing as I can. Uh, I'm actually for our for our listeners. I'm actually back in. <laughs> you guys can't see it. Our our patrons can see this, but <laughs> I am actually back in my van for the first time in three months. Uh, unfortunately, it's still not fixed. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Uh, but this is what happens when you have a friend doing the work, and uh, you know you're trying to get it done on the cheap. <laughs> it takes some time. Uh, but I actually am back in it, uh, Van Dogo and I. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so. Like I said, uh, Jackie actually uh, found you apparently through uh, through some seasteading group. I think she said. Um, and before we get into anything, I guess for the people who don't know, if you would mind giving a, a brief definition of, of seasteading, what is that, Taz? What? Uh, why should we care? <laughs> so seasteading is the concept and the idea, and more importantly, put into the motion of living permanently out at sea. You know, over 70% of the Earth's surface is ocean. Is That's what they water. tell us, yeah. <laughs> and so it's going out where it, basically in international waters where people are free to do as they want and start building societies, building cities. And not just, you know, the same kind of government structure as what's on land and stuff like that. But hey, let's start building something new. Let's try different things. Instead of the idea where people are subject to whatever government they're in, hey, let's start building different kinds of societies where people can pick and choose what kind of government that they want to live under. If they don't like one, pack up and go somewhere else. Yeah. Vote, vote with your feet. Uh, exactly. I believe, that, I believe that's what the phrase um, and obviously we here at Road to Autonomy are all, and me myself personally are all about that type of stuff. I mean, to me, that's the basic idea of 
for lack of a better term, panarchy, where it's just like, you know, let's have let's have multiple <laughs> competing types of governments instead of all these clones of and these horrible clones of one another and just worsening degrees of fascism and uh, oligarchy uh, that, that go on pretty much in every country across the world, um, including this one, kiddies. Yes, um, this one might be one of the worst, uh, the evil empire. Uh, but yeah, the it's I mean, that that notion of being able to start something else of course that's what that's the ideal that's what most of us are looking for obviously the governments around the world love to put the kibosh on that by claiming ownership like even though there is the international waters and stuff they still manage to claim ownership to pretty much everything i mean there's that even that ridiculous concept where like how many like maybe 11 or 13 countries claim ownership to antarctica so like nobody's you know which of course fuels a lot of other lovely ideas that people have because oh you're not allowed to go down there well you know i'm pretty sure there's a bunch of there's there's probably a bunch of nukes down there that they'll also start nuking each other if anybody goes close um i wouldn't doubt that um but that's the problem they get in the way now of course the 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 idea of being in international waters you i mean cruise bigger cruise ships or whatever i mean i mean they go out there to be able to do gambling and like whatever else that's not allowed within certain geographical borders all around the world obviously uh so this stuff does happen but to actually live out there uh i know i know there has been multiple attempts at this over the years uh mo mo from the stages of talking about it to actually doing it um uh, you and i were talking before we before the show about uh well i was i was telling you about the vanu strategy and the guy who created that uh, rayo uh, i believe he was involved in one of the early attempts to do that and then that just kind of fell apart and i think it's gone so far I, I, at least at least one set of people or one person or multi i can't remember or it might have happened I, I know it happened at least once but i think it might people might have attempted it multiple times where they try to take a, abandoned oil rigs over with the same idea in mind um, and like I said, unfortunately, the rea the rea uh, the reality is no <laughs> every time it's been attempted, uh, some government somehow, some way finds a way to shut these people down or at least scare them into giving up, which is which is which is unfortunate because, you know, who else is using that for whatever purpose? You know, uh, you know, it's not like you're even in anybody's way. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because take a look at the what was it called? Principality of Sealand which is where they went out off the coast of Britain and basically took over abandoned uh, anti-aircraft platform out in the ocean. And when they did so, they had autonomy for a while, but then Britain eventually got to the point where they're like, and eh, no, you're technically in our territorial waters. We don't like what you're doing. They sent out some naval ships, that kind of stuff. And it turned into this whole big thing. And it's kind of interesting because of the fact that there was another country, if memory serves me correctly, I think it was either Germany or Russia that came to uh, Sealand's defense and said, no, they are a sovereign country in international waters. You can't do this. Uh, are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Your photo just went away. So that's why I was like, uh oh. Um, oh, that said, might happen. Yeah, my, my connection's not the greatest out here, but <laughs> I hear that. But they said that, like, hey, you guys are out in international waters. You, you declared yourself independent and everything else. And it eventually turned into a big court case 
And that court case was kind of a landmark thing because of the fact it made it where Britain actually, and Britain's not the only one, a lot of other countries followed suit, where they expanded their territorial waters, how far off the shores that they have jurisdiction, which is one of the many reasons why now anything within 200 nautical miles of the closest shore is territorial waters. Wow, they bumped it all the way up to 200? I didn't realize that. Wow, mm-hmm. that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's... So the way that that works is 12 nautical miles out from shore is the, uh, like, local jurisdiction. You know, if you're close to a state, like, I live in Southern California, 12 miles out, the laws and regulations of California still apply. Gotcha. And then another 12 miles, so a total of 24, then it's federal jurisdiction. And then... After the 24 nautical miles, then you enter in uh, the territorial territorial waters, part of my study there, uh, which is called the EEZ, which is Exclusive Economic Zone, which means the host country controls everything below the surface. They have no jurisdiction over anything above the water surface, just everything below. So like your oil, natural resources, fish, that kind of stuff. Once you get past the 200 nautical miles, then you're in international waters where essentially nobody has uh, authority. However, one of the big things I hear a lot of people talk about is, oh, well, that's in international waters. There's no laws. There's no nothing. That's kind of true, but not really. And the reason why I say that is because of the fact that whatever country that that ship or that vessel is registered in, a.k.a. whoever's flag they're flying, is what government and what jurisdiction they're under, even out in international waters. What happens if you're flying the Jolly Roger? Then you're considered, <laughs> then you're considered to be committing an act of piracy. Awesome. And in every country, <laughs> that's highly illegal. And they will assume jurisdiction. That's, uh, that's a, uh, that, that figures, unfortunately. <laughs> It's I laugh. I, I laugh only so I don't cry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. But that's. But okay. So that's interesting. Um, well, I mean, I guess interesting may not be the word, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> yeah, that they've expanded it that far and even past where they where their where their own admitted boundaries is. It's like ah, you know what? For another couple hundred miles, <laughs> we're still gonna say that uh, whatever happens has to follow what we say. Otherwise, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to go, I mean, so obviously as you, I can't remember if it was during the pre-show or, or during the actual show itself, you mentioned the fact that, you know, the, the, the world is 70, at least 70% water. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, even with all the land masses there are, you, there's plenty of places you can go where you would be more than 224 miles, I guess, right? Is that, is that what it is? It has to be 200. Uh, 200 in total. Oh, oh, it's 200 in total. So it's 24 plus 176. Okay, I got yeah. you. Um, so you you there's plenty of places you could go, but that in pretty much in in most places around the world, <laughs> that's going to put you in like deep sea territory pretty much all the time, which obviously I guess comes with it its own uh, risks. And you know, because mm-hmm. it's one thing to be able to live in a sailboat, because I know we I, I there's at least one uh, fellow voluntarist that I know that lives on his sailboat pretty much all year round. Um, this guy Ryan, I came across on social media years ago. 
Um, I believe he's I believe he's on it at least most of the year. And I know he lived he wrote he rode out at least one of the hurricanes last year down in Louisiana <laughs> on his boat. Um he's a crazy motherfucker. Um but he does stay within the he does stay within the zones and ha- and puts up with the laws and the stuff that you know because it's safer to be closer to shore. You don't have to deal with it. You know, it's one thing if a storm hits and you're that close to shore, and God forbid, you know, if if the, if your boat goes down, you you still stay a decent chance of getting back to land. <laughs> the further out you go, things go wrong. Um, you're really up, at, you know, Shit's Creek without a paddle, unfortunately. So um, that that you know. Uh, the uh, you know wonderful side effects of government policies, as always, creates f- creates further barriers to entry to people simply wanting to be left alone. Because that's what this comes down to, right? The whole idea is these these seasteading is. I'm tired of dealing with the people because you know, like you said, why not? Why shouldn't we be able to go and start another? government form of government lack of government whatever another geographical area where a bunch of people all agree hey let's live this way instead you know whether it's out on a a set of boats or a sea barge um or um uh, a an an abandoned naval vessel or whatever what what have you um you know that's the whole idea of it but they just they don't want to let they don't want to let us do that (laughs) that's the problem because the reason we, we the reason we have that desire you have that desire people that you're connected to have that desire i have that desire plenty of my friends have that desire um the reason we can't is because these crazy governments claim already claim jurisdictional you know whatever over like and like you said even once you get out beyond the that magical 200 mile marker they're still going to impose um they're still going to find ways to impose their laws on you um and unfortunately, as as you point, especially you pointed out with that story with the the one pe- the people who tried to take over the uh, the the air what was it, the airship or um, you know the air carrier that was out there, um, you know, eventually, yeah, you may not even be doing even by their own standards, you may not be doing anything wrong, <laughs> but they're just like, yeah, we don't like that you got that freedom, and other people can see that you have that freedom, and uh, yeah, we got to shut that down. <laughs> well, there's another interesting case, very similar to that, um, and this is the one like when you Google seasteading and stuff like that, it's one of the first ones that pop up. Is the story of Chad and Nadia that went out and had their own uh, floating home off the coast of Thailand. They were out, I think it was 12 or 14 miles or something off the coast of Thailand, and Thailand really didn't bother him too much until it started making kind of news headlines because the fact they were encouraging other people to come out and do the same kind of thing and long story short Thailand eventually did send their navy out and took their home uh, brought it back to Thailand destroyed it at least from what I understand they destroyed it and they that makes perfect sense (laughs) And they charged him with a crime, and the crime that they charged him with, I thought was really interesting because of the fact the crime that they were uh, charged with was violating the sovereignty of Thailand. That's a really serious kind of thing, and very rarely done. Yeah, that's um, wow. That's 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 insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even even by the normal 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 government standards. Um, but I guess, unfortunately, the reality is probably that, you know, that that's how they set an example for people, you know, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the chilling effect. Yeah. Let's really rake 
these poor people who were literally harming nobody. And like you said, up until a certain point, even the government of Thailand didn't give a crap. They were just like, whatever, just like, you know, we're not, you know, we're not, we're, you're not bothering anybody on the mainland for the most part. We don't have to worry about you. So uh, do your thing out there um, until it's like, oh, no, wait a minute. You're going to convince more people to do that. We're going to lose more tax cattle. No, we can't have that. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things that was interesting about that, too, is uh, Nadia was a Thailand citizen and she had a family there in Thailand and they would go back and forth in and out of Thailand all the time, doing business, buying groceries, that kind of stuff. So they were actually contributing quite a bit to the economy there. Yeah. Well, yeah, that would, of course, and of course that doesn't get taken into account either. Cause nope. you know, it's just a, it's, it's the threat. It's the threat to them, unfortunately. Um, but of course that's what you would, you know, you would have to do anytime, anytime you live, whether it's out on the sea or out on the open roads, like I do, um, or any of the other variety of ways that people try to get away from the, uh, society at large and live a little more free. Um, we can't do it all on our own. So we still have to interact, whether we do it ourselves or as we've talked about on this show before, uh, through proxy merchants, if you have people, um in local areas that are that will go to the stores for you or do whatever for you and and actually they they have the interactions with the real world you still don't have to have those interactions you just give them money and they go take care it doesn't matter um you're still like you said contributing to the local economy in in almost all cases i'm sure you're still you know a lot of times unfortunately you do that you still have to pay their stupid taxes on all their you know food taxes gas taxes whatever so you're still contributing in that way I mean, that's how I live right now. I still pay a hell of a lot of gas tax because I drive a Mercedes-style Sprinter van <laughs> that runs on diesel. So I go through a lot of it. Um, so I'm constantly paying for the damn roads. Um, all those people who claim that, you know, since I since I started avoiding the system that I'm not I'm not contributing anymore. And what about the roads? Well, I'm still paying for them. That's what about them. And they still suck, let me tell you. Um <laughs> So yeah, it's. I, I mean, like like I told you uh, when we were talking before the show. I mean, the whole idea of seasteading, obviously, other than the fact that I've never sailed the boat before, I don't think I've ever actually even, other than like being held given the wheel when I was with an adult who was standing behind me in my in my younger years, I've never actually I think steered a boat successfully. Um, a wave runner is like the biggest I've done, <laughs> um, and uh, and the and the fear of getting. Tra getting thrashed in a giant storm out there as we were talking about especially now knowing you have to go out even further than i thought uh just to even attempt this um you know that scares me but uh i i like the idea of it and uh i'm, I'm it's interest uh, i'm always interested to talk to people who either are also interested in it or are looking to do it yourself now we talked before the actual podcast uh, on our pre-show which of course as we've told you folks before it's for our patrons only so if you want to get the really juicy stuff because uh taz uh let some other stories slip that were kind of cool <laughs> um definitely uh, check out our patreon and consider uh joining um but we were talking about the fact that uh you originally were or you came across the idea a bunch you came with uh, met up with some like-minded people who had the idea of doing a cruise ship style uh, seasteading thing instead of just going individually out on a sailboat or as other people have talked before you know doing the barges and stuff like that because i know that's the idea of a lot of the other seasteading stuff i stop i've seen over the years um it's like getting barges and then eventually tying these barges together so you can create this 
bigger and bigger physical town out there when more people come in and more with more specialized things to do and people get, you know, the whole thing. Um, but, uh, I never even considered the idea of a, a, just a cruise ship. Cause I mean, I mean, heck, you know, it's the same concept as just, you know, a whole bunch of friends getting and renting out an apartment building together and everybody just shares the whole space and all the stuff. But this way, you know, you've got a floating apartment building. Um, which was a really interesting idea, but unfortunately, you said you ran into some issues with that, namely um, how much it was going to cost. <laughs> uh, could you uh, recap that for? Because I thought that was kind of interesting, and uh, you know, anybody considering looking and going, "Hey, cruise ship, that's a great idea." Uh, I found a deal on one on eBay. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, as you mentioned, like I was going to be coming together with other like-minded individuals, and you know, going in and essentially what we were planning on was just going in and buying a cruise ship and taking it out and cruising around the world, kind of doing our own thing. Um, then COVID hit and that kind of put the brakes on that. But then as we started looking at other things and we were kind of discovering a lot of the cost because the cost of the cruise ship is just the first part. And that itself, even for a small cruise ship like we were looking at, is a couple million dollars. And then once and that's, you have, that's I'm, so, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's that you said that was like just fuel and just basic maintenance. Yeah, just the monthly operating cost when we were looking at it and we were looking at, I think it was a hundred and fifty passenger cruise ship. So a relatively small one, just the operating cost for the fuel, the insurance and everything else, which you're required to have as per international law and the law of the sea. It was over a million dollars a month. Okay. Oh, oh, a million a month. But okay, so that that explains it. Then I was I I didn't ask you earlier, but that because I, I was curious if you know what, like if fuel and maintenance are one thing, but what are the what are the government hoops that you're paying for? Um, so it sounds like basically a lot of a lot of that money seems to be coming from, um, because even the insurance is is essentially when it comes down to it a government scam. Because just like everything else, it's fascist in nature because it's. You know they have they have to the insurance companies have to jump through the government. You know they have to be approved by the <laughs> by the, the the almighty government in the first place, um, and you know you can't just do it on your own. So that by definition kind of makes it fascistic because the government's controlling what the corporations do and they're working in concert. Anyway, I digress. Um, so yeah, so it sounds like that. So a million a month. So you would have. So you guys would have to pay twelve, roughly twelve million dollars a year just to keep the boat afloat legally and i use air quotes for our podcast listeners who can't see um, but just oh, like 12 million dollars a year just to operate it legally and that's without you guys trying to live and do whatever else yeah that's, that's just insane that's just bare bones operating cost and it's funny because of the fact that while you're out at sea technically you don't have to have a lot of those things where the problem comes in is anytime that you come into a country's territorial waters, like if you come into dock or do business or anything else, that's when those requirements have to be met because they can't allow you in without it. Interesting. And it's, okay. Okay. They claim okay. that it's, you know, for everybody's safety. But, you know, as we were talking about during the pre-show, I have a background in law enforcement. The government will use the opposite of for your safety to be an authoritarian asshole. So I oh, of course. that's the reality. You know, people like to believe and the system tells everybody, hey, you're innocent until proven guilty. 
I'm sorry. I've been on the other side of that badge. The way the law enforcement op- operates is the exact opposite. You're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. Oh, I know that all too well. Has uh, been has been discussed on this show and many others <laughs> multiple multiple times. Um, I had my more than 15 minutes of infamy um, <laughs> and dealing with the law. And yeah, I was definitely I was crucified every situation, every 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 which way before the before the case ever happened. Um, so yeah, it's definitely. Um, yeah, they, they they make it. They they purposely make it an uphill battle. They they love. Mo, I mean, most governments are the same to some extent, or worse than others. But you know, even the one we have, most of the ones we have here, even the local ones. Well, sometimes the local ones are even worse. Um, but yeah, they love to be able to throw as much as they can at you and find every stupid little thing because the more they could pile on and scare the crap out of you and go, "Hey, we could stick you in a in one of our rape cages for uh, you know a few years to life, whatever." Or you could do these other things, um, and uh, or you you know you could just you could just say you did this thing, and then um, you know we'll knock it down. And yeah, they don't care; they just want to. Um, even if they know they can't make most of the stuff stick, that's how they scare. That's why that's why the, the the insane rate of plea bargains. I mean, I think I've seen it as high as like eighty nine or maybe ninety percent or more cases end up in plea bargains because people just give up and don't want to fight the system and figure it's their best chance because you know. I know I've been there. Um, well, and not only that, but the courts and the legal system are stacked against people. Look, the average conviction rate in the courtroom is ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent. I have yet to find any jurisdiction, and I've been all around the United States. I have yet to find a jurisdiction where they don't have at least a ninety-eight percent conviction rate. Well, because pro- yeah, because that's because I mean, by design, prosecutors won't take cases unless they're pretty freaking sure they can win them um because for for them mo- most most of them it's an, most of them it's an ego thing like they you know uh I, I just i heard somebody on a podcast talking about this today and it, it was like oh yeah that's right i remember that um but they were talking about a specific case and it's uh, you know the, exactly what the yeah why would why would they want to tarnish their records you know most of them most of them like to have uh you know their their own personal high conviction rates so that's how it goes um well, not yeah. just that, but even in the United States Code, it states that judges, lawyers, prosecutors, uh, everybody in the legal system is immune from wrongdoing. It's called qualified immunity. But not only that, the prosecutor, the judge, anybody else can knowingly charge somebody for a crime that never happened, lock you away, throw away the key, and they're immune from any and all um, prosecution for it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, there are there are there are small caveats to that, but for the most part, yeah, there are you, they're pretty much. Um, uh, I know that that's been in the news on and off finally over the past year or so. When people are trying, pe- some people are actually trying to get that repealed on the cops specifically because they're the ones who they're the ones who make use of it the most. Um, yeah, well, cause- co- cops by themselves, and it's specified in the local and state laws and things like that that cops have qualified immunity as well, meaning that they're exempt from those laws. And admittedly, it's kind of a catch-22 because of the fact that they need to be able to break some laws in order to do their job. Like, for an example, if somebody was speeding past, obviously they're violating the speed law, a cop has to be able to speed to catch up to him, pull him over to give the ticket. I get that. Just the same as 
if you had an ambulance on the way to save your life, you're going to want them to get there as fast as you can or as fast as they can. They're going to need your speed in order to do that. I get those things. However, they're granted blanket immunity. And that's where it's wrong. Well, yeah, we, we see that we see that all the time in the case in the cases of uh, people who are you know unarmed people who are shot by the cops and uh, they o- almost always get away with it because, well, you know, they could say they feared for their life and blah, blah, blah. And oh, yeah, you can or or like the, the egregious cases where it comes out, you know, that they the cops completely fabricated evidence or whatever. It's like, oh, they still get away with it. <laughs> um, at most, they get a slap on the wrist. Um, but that's just the, the whole the, the whole system's broken like that. I mean, I I, I would argue and have before that it, that was by design, actually. <laughs> um, if you really go back into history and how things went down and uh, what power or not the constitution, as I refer to it, actually has. Um, but yeah, but these again, these are all things that unfortunately um, somebody in in your position who's looking to go out uh, on the open seas, even somebody like. My, in my position, all of us, we have to deal with, you know, if, if, we, the, if we want to attempt to be free, we have to deal with all this unfortunate bullshit. <laughs> um, you know, um, but the whole, we could, we could have a whole conversation about the, we could, you know, do a whole show on the qualified immunity thing. I could rant and rave about the, all that um, for hours, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so you were saying though that, uh, you know, you, you, so you're looking into the, the, Go doing the cruise ship thing and obviously it was not cost effective <laughs> based on the hoops they're going to make you jump through uh, just in order to operate the darn thing in the first place um, and now that the the coof is finally uh, not really with us anymore <laughs> and, thing, and things have opened back up what is the plan these days are you, are you still working with, uh, with basically with the same people that you had the cruise ship idea with is this a new group of people you're working with that you're you have another plan in place to uh try to get back out there and get on the water? Uh, so with the COVID and the lockdowns that uh, we've seen, then our plan and our strategy kind of changed a little bit. We are not going to be doing the cruise ship thing anymore. Instead, we're going to be getting a deep sea barge. First, we got to get the money raised to do it. Because uh, unfortunately, we're not all millionaires, but we're planning on going in and getting a deep sea barge, one that they use to haul stuff across oceans with, and essentially going out along the equator, probably somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, and anchoring it there because uh, along the equator you have relatively calm seas and that kind of thing. And, you know, setting things up there and as far as whether it's with the same people, uh, some people have left, other ones have joined. It's something that kind of changes people's priorities, people's focus, kind of change with times. Some people complain that it's taking too long. Other people are saying, no, it needs to take longer. And it just anytime that you're dealing with groups of people, you're going to have uh, some difference of opinions and some conflicts. And it's just, it's been kind of a bumpy road, but we figured out kind of how to work with those things. And essentially one of the biggest problems that we've run into is people want it done for them and they want it for free. And that's just something that isn't practical or realistic. You know, doing these kind of things does cost money. 
Does it cost as much money as other things? No. However, does that mean that people that only earn like ten, twenty thousand a year can do it? Unfortunately, no. It just it costs more. Uh, we want to be able to make it affordable for people, but first, the infrastructure has to be built. The platforms have to be built. The basic things have to be taken care of before we can just start bringing anybody in. If you're talking, I can't hear you. Oh, I muted myself. Um, <laughs> I was saying, I, I was saying, of course, <laughs> of course, um, you know, it's kind of hard to give people a place to live if you don't actually have a place for them to live yet. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately also that's what you're describing has been the so far unfortunate downfall of most of the projects I've seen over the years um, of similar in the similar vein, not maybe not necessarily on the sea, but other people who have attempted to do um, basically private cities or um, small little enclaves in, in their, you know, by buying, buying a bun bunch of land and trying to build their own little thing on it. Um, it. It tends to break down a lot because, well, when it comes to libertarians, anarchists, freedom type people, um, you know, people who just want to leave me, they'll leave me alonist, which I kind of count myself in that group. <laughs> um, anybody with that type of attitude, um, they say, you know, trying to get us together is like herding cats. Um, cause that's really what it is. There's always, pro you know, there's, there's always going to be egos, um, conflicting ideas. Um, and even, even the most logical people in, in, in those type of groups, um, still can't manage to figure out things peacefully it always ends up <laughs> uh it always, but it, as long as as long as a core group or you know at least enough people keep going and keep trying to go with the idea um that's all you really need um you know it's uh because what is it the uh it's it's the small it's the small tireless minority that gets it done throughout history just the way it's always been um you know even when they talk about the uh so-called revolution <laughs> here in the USSA. Uh, it started, you know, that's where the whole 3% thing came up with. That's what, that's how it started. You know, it was that small minority that was fighting, fighting, fighting. And eventually people join in because most people are inherently followers. Um, but yeah, you got to lay the infrastructure. So uh, do you guys have any plans as of like, you know, doing funding projects or are you just trying to get more people involved investor wise or people on the ground floor type thing? What's, what's the, what, what, what's the kind of outlook you guys got going? So we don't plan on having any kind of outside investors because, number one, we don't want to be um, of somebody else, so to speak. And anytime you have outside investors, essentially you have to kind of placate to whatever they want because that's where you got your funding from. However, things still take money. So the way that we're planning on kind of doing that is people that want to join our community to join our society and to be a part of the seasteading stuff with us then they need to make some kind of financial investment into it and there's a couple other reasons why we're kind of requiring that and one of the things is kind of a universal principle that i've learned over the years and it's sad but true and that's people don't appreciate things that they get for free 
stuff that's just handed to people nine times out of ten, they don't appreciate and treat it like trash. We're trying to... Tra tragedy, tragedy of the commons, my friend. Tragedy of the commons. Yeah, it's sad, but that's the reality. And with what you were talking about, you know, with getting people to, to agree on things can be hard, especially like with the more uh, freedom lovers like what we are. That's absolutely true. The approach that we're taking, though, is disagreements are wholesome. They're a good thing. They move things forward as long as they're held within reasonable parameters. You can't have somebody that's just being belligerent and refuses to listen to anything and still get stuff done. Disagreements, arguments are good, but they need to be held within reason. Because otherwise you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, well, that, that's good. I mean, I can understand that. We've, we've talked on this show before about uh, our, our friends at the Vanu podcast and the uh, Pasnia project they have going. That's kind of what, you know, like I said, we're trying to build something like that on land where we have people getting together and just, you know, that's, you know, let's work things out like adults. <laughs> we mm -hmm. talk things through, problems arise, but, um, but yeah, like you said, for that, for your particular project, infrastructure wise, you're, you're looking at money. So, so you're basically just looking to bring people in who want to, who want, who obviously want to not just, not just say that they do, but kind of find a way to prove themselves that they actually want to be part of this and, um, you know, put their money where their mouth is. And obviously I would assume their time and effort too, because, you know, you're going to want to get in on the ground floor like that. You're going to have to help build the infrastructure, right? <laughs> yeah. And it, that's one of the things too, is we're not planning on building a lot of really big extensive things. We're just looking at, you know, the barge and then like say some ramps, some docks, stuff that people can anchor to off of that. We're not planning on big expensive things because of the fact that we believe that people should be able to own their own homes or in this case, their own boats, whatever. And if they don't like what's going on with us, they're free to take their home with them and go somewhere else. All right. Um, oh, that, okay. So that's it. That's that's even more interesting. I was thinking about housing on the. But are you, what 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 are the idea? Like, do you have what are, what are the ideas to have on the barge itself? Like, would that be where you would have like the commerce section? I guess. Um, Essentially, what we're planning on that because of the fact that we do plan on living out at sea, you know, long term and everything, is we need to be able to have a way to row things to have clean drinking water, those kind of things which the technology is available to do that, but that requires a little bit of infrastructure, like, for example, for clean drinking water. You can take ocean salt water and turn it into fresh, clean drinking water. It just has to go through a process called the desalination. Ah, desalination. Yes. Yeah, if I can talk right. But anyway, that kind of stuff is very easy to do. It just takes a little bit of time, a little bit of resources to be able to do, to filter the salt water, um, those kind of things. So on the barge, it would be the, that basic type of infrastructure. And then the rest of it, because barges are relatively large, would be community space for everybody to use. Excellent. Okay. I, I, I can picture it. So, okay. So that's, so that's, so that's a pretty cool idea. Um, uh, all right. And then... 
so so basically you guys are just at the point now where you need, where you need more people to hop on so you can actually get get move forward with getting the barge right i'm assuming that's yep. got to be step number one yeah um, it, we've got a little bit of funding so far but not nearly enough to what's been needed mm-hmm. and fortunately the large money that we had available before when we were planning on doing the cruise ship one of the people that left was the main contributor to that and of course when he left so did his finance yeah it's unfortunate how that happens (laughs) (laughs) um well okay but i mean at least at least least you have you know you're you're not starting from zero again so that's good um and well i mean i i had asked i don't know have you guys thought about doing like you know funding drives then if you're not going to look for outside investors per se i mean um, whether it's GoFundMe stuff or whatever version of that or, you know, variation um, or something like that, or, uh, you know, maybe, 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 yeah, I don't know. Honestly, we've never even really talked about it. I don't think we've really even thought about it, to be honest, but that might not be a bad idea. We might actually um, consider doing that. Yeah, I mean... Because it, it, it's one thing to to put up one of those if you if you need help if you if you're short on money personally and you need help to pay bills or whatever which a lot of people use it for I mean heck it was done for me years ago for my legal legal defense I didn't ask for that but people my friends did it for me um, but uh, you know this is actually a tangible thing you're trying to put out there you're not just looking for for a, a hand a handout just to help you out of a tough spot or whatever you're looking to actually create something which you know the people who contribute may not necessarily have to move there at any point in time but to me this is anything like this whether it's what what they got what the what we have going on at Paznia, what you guys are trying to do a bunch of other projects around the world that i know of now all the freedom cell projects and stuff people are trying to do their own thing and um you know it's the number one way to show the non-believers as it were um what is possible because mm-hmm. you can theorize it to, to death you can write about it read you know people can read about it you can do podcasts about it like we do all the time um and talk about this stuff till you're blue in the face um but a lot of people are more convinced by actually being able to see something happen in you know in real time especially in real time to be able to see it occur um so you know and and there's a lot of unrest around the world a lot of people are unhappy with their governments to what extent and to how how long that's going to last is yet to be determined but as with any other time throughout history because as we've as this has been talked about in the show a lot (laughs) my whole my whole thing is history that's how i got to where i am uh i started studying it on my own years ago and realized hey that's not what i was taught um but as you see time and time again, whenever government, whatever government, whenever they overplay their hand and try to take too much too quickly um, and it backfires on them, that's always the best time. And unfortunately, it's not always seized upon, but it's always the best time to grab people and go, hey, you're pissed off right now, right? You know where your anger is directed at right now, right? Let me show you something um, <laughs> and, and, and show these these ideas, even just the ideas of freedom in general that they don't know they've been missing their whole lives. Um, so this is as good a time as any. So I would think, yeah, talk it over with uh, the rest of the people in your group. And, um, you know, whether it's your, you know, 
offering virtual but non like voting capacity stakes um, in the company as you know, because like you said, you don't want to give up the control to other people. That's why you don't do the outside investor things. But like with Paznia, what we do, what we do is we're, you know, we actually contribute and we become stakeholders. Um, but we mm-hmm. have to, everything has to be voted upon. Everything has to be, you know, it has to be agreed upon. It's not, you know, it's not a free for all. Um, and, uh, you know, we, 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 uh, we hammer out our different. All right. And we are back as always. Uh, I thought I timed it better this time where we'd actually have enough time to, to get one in one recording, but not, not so much. Uh, I still haven't figured out this whole Jitsi thing, but anyway, um, and where, where did we leave off? Uh, we were talking, um, Oh, the, the, the how, how we settle disagreements and these type of things. So, yeah, you know, it's so, so whatever, however you do it, or even if it's just you're putting up, you're trying to raise funds so you can create this thing. Um, and then later on, people would have an opportunity to come live out there if they want to get their own boat and move out there, that type of thing. Um, I would definitely explore all those avenues. Um, you know, I know money's tight for a lot of people, myself included these days. Um, but like I said, there's a lot more people. Um, whatchamacallit, uh, disaffected at the moment. So uh, it's as good a time as any to reach out and present other ideas and other options for living and getting away from all the government madness. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I'm looking at the clock. We, I, I, we, I don't want to go uh, too much longer, but uh, I did want to touch on a couple of things. You, were ta- you said something as we were coming back from that uh, unannounced break <laughs> about legal stuff you wanted to discuss. Uh, you want to get into that really quick? Sure. Um, so as I mentioned before, and as we talked about before, I used to be a state patrolman with Oregon State Police on our drug task force unit. And then after that, I kind of went away from stuff. And then I moved to Arizona and started following the sovereign citizen stuff. Found out what a big joke it was. It's just a big rabbit hole. It gets people in prison. And When I fell down that rabbit hole, then I came across international law and started learning like actual law. And so in December of 2016, myself and other like-minded individuals, a lot of the same ones that we're going to do the cruise ship thing, um, we came together and formed our own nation, our own society, however you want to phrase it. And we are no longer U.S. citizens. And we have actually got nothing but respect and cooperation with the U.S. government. And that's one of the things I want to show you is a letter that I got from the U.S. Supreme Court. All right. Kind of addressing me as ambassador, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have gotten FBI agents and other federal employees that have shown up at my house, met me in public, those kind of things. They asked a lot of questions. But at the same time, they show nothing but respect. And mainly, I don't get it uh, near as much anymore, but mainly they were just wanting to make sure that like myself and the other individuals had no uh, ill intention or that we wanted to harm the U.S. or anything like that. And we said, no, we want to be at peace. We don't like with what's going on in the U.S., and as being one of your citizens, we're guilty just the same as the people committing the crimes. We don't want the blood on our hands. We're done. We want peace. This is the only way to get peace. So that's what we did. Well, that's interesting. Um, you know, 
Unfortunately, and history history is littered with people who have tried to do that before. Randy Weaver just wanted to be left alone too. We all know what happened to him. Well, on Ruby I... Ridge, uh, <laughs> the, the 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 branch. <laughs> I, I almost said branch Covidians because it's been stuck in my head now because of the whole thing. But no, the branch Davidians. They just wanted to be left alone too. Um, I mean, I'm glad you, I'm glad you guys have had uh, nothing but positive experiences whenever you had to have. But of course, unfortunately in the current day and age where you know domestic terrorism is all the rage and that's what they're trying to mm -hmm. you know what they're trying to label everybody i can imagine why even now especially in the last six years if you're talking you know, since 2016 um that there would be even more of a interest um by them for people like yourself who uh you know I mean, we, we did we did something similar with Paznia, except we just did it. You know, we didn't we we kind of we we do it to mock everything. Um, mm -hmm. Like we have our own constitution. You know, I was one of the first signers, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, unfortunately, like, like we were talking about earlier, at some point in time, they could just decide that you know, you you now have become a threat somehow. But I, I hope it continues for you. I mean, that that's. It's always good to see that because, like you said, I went I went down the sovereign citizen hole myself, unfortunately, um, years and years and years ago, and and came to a lot of the same conclusions that you did. And then I came across some other stuff, but I just I just decided that I was gonna deal with the reality in front of me and just say screw. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna find my own way to be free. Um, mm -hmm. And I like to think I've done that. I mean, I've been living on the road for four years now, um, and I can honestly say I've never been freer in all my forty something years. Um, which is pretty great. Um, but eventually if they want, you know, the, the unfortunate reality is of unfortunate at some point, if they want to crack down on us, um, you know, especially if you become, you know, that that's the real big downside with the, with the, with the project you're trying to go on with the, with the barge and stuff. Uh, as we talked about before, you know, like you said, the, the one situation in Thailand, once it becomes, once there's enough um, attention on it, that that's kind of the catch 22 you're in. You want to bring attention to this so you can help raise money and get more people involved and hopefully actually get put, bring these plans into fruition. But if you get too much exposure <laughs> and then it's like, well, no, we can't let people know that they can do this. Um, well, see, but that, but over, oh, I, I, overall, I just want to say overall, because I was thinking this earlier, it, it does make sense, though, because, you know, it's like Elon Musk has all these all these plans of taking people to Mars within the next five mm -hmm. years or whatever. I mean, that's great. You know, you want to go out into space and make use of all that area. Oh, wonderful. But as you as we've talked about, there's so much of this particular planet that's not being used currently just because it's water. Why not find ways um, if you're willing to take the risks of being out there and not, you know, not trying to get like, you know, welfare sent your way, if things go wrong, if you're willing to take the responsibility, um, uh, which comes with it, you know, the positive and negative consequences, um, then why shouldn't, why shouldn't we be able to, you know, why shouldn't you be able to do that? And, and why shouldn't we make use of this planet of more areas of this planet first before trying to go out into space? I don't know. Just, just seems to make a lot more sense to me. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, I've always been kind of an outdoors person. I've done a lot of backpacking, a lot of traveling, a lot of hiking. And to me, there's no greater feeling of freedom than like when you're out just in nature, away from, you know, mainstream society, just out doing your own thing. And what better way to live a 
off-grid, self-sustaining life than doing it out in nature, out out at the sea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I, I mean, I, I'm totally. I, I I've already I've already listed my apprehensions personally by going out in the water, at least by myself. Um, but I, the whole idea of just being, you know, I mean, that's why I live the way I live because at any point I can get out and just be out alone with just me and the dog out in nature um, and away from people. Um, cause I don't people very well, uh, <laughs> well except, it, with my, one, except with my own little tribe. Well, that's one of our big things too, is sure. Each one of us could just go in and get our own boat and go out, you know, individually and do whatever, but humans are social creatures and our big thing is community. Yeah, just because the fact that you can go out and do something by yourself doesn't mean that maybe it's the best. And we want to be around like-minded, freedom-loving individuals. So let's do business. Let's barter and trade. And that's one of the other things with being out in the ocean, too, is anytime that you're on land, you're greatly limited by whatever government is over that land and what they say that you can do with business, with trade, with the regulations, everything else. Out at sea, you can do business and trade with whoever the hell you want to. Yeah. Well, again, uh, no. <laughs> until they finally catch on, sure. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, but, but absolutely, you know, that's, you know, it, it is, it is the last resort we have really when it comes down to it. I mean, because uh, it doesn't really matter, as as we mentioned earlier about the whole voting with your th- feet thing, it's great in theory, but there's not too much. There's really no place you can go that's not going to be any worse in some respects. <laughs> um, you know, because all the all the governments around the world suck. Um, so yeah, the open seas may be our last, or, unless you want to hop on the spaceship with Elon. Uh, the open the open seas might be our last resort. Um, so I hear you on that, man. Um, well, I, I, I mean, obviously, I, I wish you uh, great success with that, and um, uh, we, we are going to have to get wrapping up soon. But before we go, I did want to uh, one other thing. I know I wanted to ask you about um, part of what uh, helped Jackie find you in the first place is uh, you are you're actually starting an online magazine um, like we do with RTA uh, uh, geared at seasteading, and it's uh, first issues coming around the bend, right? So uh, I want to give you a chance to talk about that a little quick, uh, really quick, and plug that before we go. Yeah, so what that is, is I'm launching a magazine called Seasteaders, and it's the first issue is coming out on June 1st, and it is going to be entirely geared at seasteading, at the technologies, about the legal system, uh, the different kind of boats. We're trying to make it all about people being able to go out and do these kind of things. And having the resources and the knowledge to do that. Excellent. And without even looking, I could be pretty sure that there's not one of those in existence to begin with. So uh, that no. that first to mar- that first to market thing always helps. Um, no, and admittedly, that's kind of what pushed me to the edge to go ahead and launch it and start doing this. Is I tried finding a magazine about it, or even just resources that come out on a regular basis and unfortunately right now there is none and so i know a bit about media and you know the law and that kind of stuff and i was like you know what i should just do this 
so I posted on a Facebook group called Seasteaders Supporters and basically just asked, like, hey, is anybody interested in a seasteading magazine? And I got quite a bit of responses privately and publicly. People saying, yeah, we'd love it. So I'm doing right. it. Excellent. Well, that uh, that sounds very familiar. That's kind of how Jackie started RTA all those years ago. She was looking for something in particular and wasn't there, and she just said, "Well, I guess I'll, I guess nobody else is doing it. I guess I will." Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's great. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, well, especially if you already have people that are interested, that's definitely a it's a good way to get started. Um, mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. So uh, is there a, is there a site up for it already, or is that in the works? Or because I, I want to get a, I mean, I'll put everything in the show notes too, but. Sure. Uh, I do have the website, and right now it's just kind of a placeholder, but that's seasteaders, seasteaders.org. Okay. Um, right now I've just got kind of a magazine cover, placeholder, and that kind of thing. I'm still working on it and getting things developed. The mag- And that's kind of why the magazine is launching in June instead of next month is because I'm completely new to the magazine world and everything else. I still have to learn a bunch of the stuff, put everything together and get it done. Gotcha. Well, if you haven't already, you could probably talk to Jackie about that. She did, she had to do all that for, for she started, she started the magazine uh, on her own. Um, and I joined six months later um, and we've worked together ever since, but um, she yeah. knows all about that stuff. She, she handles that. And I do the podcasting and I edit all our, edit all our content. <laughs> yeah. Her and I, uh, talked a little bit about it she a really good and amazing person yeah she has her moments <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah i mean well that's great man so obviously um i wish you success with uh with both endeavors um and definitely uh go back to your uh, little team there or whatnot and uh discuss the uh funding ideas that we were talking about um because i'd love to see, you know uh, I'd, I'd be happy to throw a little, uh, some shekels your way if you end up doing something like that. Um, yeah. In cause, fact, cause again, that... cause again, it, it may, it may not be for me. Uh, I, I kind of dig being on the road and doing stuff like that. Um, but I'm all for other people being able to be successful at this. And, uh, you know, like, like we, like we talked about giving people the opportunity to see this stuff in action and see it actually survive and thrive and, um, what can be possible. Well, and the society for that is uh, called Freeport. And if you want, we actually have a website up. Uh, I still got to do some more updates and stuff on it because we've changed some things recently. But that's www.freeport.town. Freeport.town. Yeah, I checked that out a little bit earlier. Um, and obviously, yeah, we'll put bo- so we'll put both of those links up in the show notes. Uh, and is there anything else you want to do, uh, get off your chest or say before we uh, get closing out here or any parting words or any, um, encouragement to others who may be thinking along the same lines? Uh, sure. The only thing that kind of holds people back from doing it is their own fear, their own uncertainty, and sometimes lack of knowledge. And that's something that I am hoping to be able to change my business is mostly uh, legal and law consulting. So I help people get out of the system and kind of do their own thing. And if people want to learn more, go ahead and get a hold of me. My website is www.tazriot.com. 
All right, so we'll add that, Taz. Right, we'll add that one to we'll add that one to the list too. All right, well, um, Taz, it's been a great conversation. Um, thank you once again for joining me tonight. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun, been very informative, and uh, I hope people go check out your stuff. And uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. You too. All right. Uh, so as always, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, this has been RTA Radio. Uh, as as I mentioned earlier, if you haven't already, get on the Patreon train and you can check out the rest of uh, Taz and my conversation, as well as all the other conversations that Jackie and I have and some of the other crazy stuff we put up there. <laughs> we don't ask for a lot, but, you know, enough to keep the lights on and be nice. Uh, so with that, we will get closing out. This has been RTA Radio. Thank you, everybody, again. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Love, peace. Say